Well, welcome to Kings. It's great to see you here today. And we start a really important series called Invited. I'm looking forward to sharing God's word. And this is a really important series for us as a church. And I want to open up the series by making a number of uh, pastoral comments on why we're doing the series. But uh, before I do that, let's uh, turn to the scripture. Our scripture today is uh, Acts 8. We're rooting the whole series in, in Acts, and I'm going to read from verse 26 through to 39. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out, and on his way met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candrake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. Just an opening comment on the, the phrase eunuch. Um, this is probably a, a phrase that would put anyone off joining the civil service uh, to serve uh, the government or here the, the queen of the Ethiopians. And it was just common practice, culturally normal, that if you were close in to the royal family that you may well be castrated. Enough to put anyone off, I know. But also, uh, we don't really want to get hung up on it because the commentators say that it also sometimes was just used as a cultural phrase. Uh, so uh, we don't really know, but let's not get stuck on it. Uh, I don't intend to anyway. Uh, this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. So he's reading um, Isaiah 53. We know probably that this Ethiopian was what's known as a proselyte. He was someone that had embraced the Jewish faith. And he'd probably been in Jerusalem at the temple worshipping and then was travelling home. Uh, Let's pick it up. Now, how can I, he said, unless someone explains to me, so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading. It's interesting that Luke chooses to quote the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of uh, the Old Testament text. Luke, very aware of his missional lens to the Gentiles, and uh, it's fascinating he draws from the Septuagint. And we should be grateful for translators that have taken the Hebrew and the Greek text and translated it to English so that we can uh, culturally engage with the text. But quoting Isaiah 53, he says, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And then you asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave the orders to stop the chariot and then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. So a couple of uh, comments on why are we doing this series? 
Well, firstly, we, uh, we know that it uh, it's kind of comes out of deep biblical conviction that God was always after a people, right? From the promise to Abraham, right through salvation history. In fact, next week, Andrew's going to paint the big picture for us, the big uh, narrative of God's purposes uh, uh, over salvation history. It always had uh, a heart for a people from every tribe and nation and language, a gospel that would reach all people. And uh, we know that, and we know that's the picture of God's work on the earth, but it's also a picture of heaven, that one day we will gather all together through all generations, all peoples, nations, and tribes. So it's, it's, it's totally relevant that we uh, look at it. Secondly, why are we looking at it now? Well, it's kind of topical, isn't it? There is huge political upheaval in the UK and in the West generally. Uh, Brexit and Trump. Uh, there are more concerns about globalization. Uh, and whatever your political view, I'm not making a political comment, but it's very topical. Questions about immigration. And my concern, as I wrote in a blog about this issue a couple of months ago, there's some negative, the dark side of some of this dialogue and the increase of racism and uh, people living uh, increasingly uh, separate lives. I mean, what a week we've had where in the UK, the Supreme Court, and uh, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and then just the other week, um, who would ever thought that uh, an American president would put a wall up between the US and Mexico, where we think the gospel should break walls down. And so it's very topical uh, for us to address it. Thirdly, we are a very diverse church, a very diverse community. Our survey that we did just around a year ago uh, explained to us that we are 60% black, uh, 40% white and other. Of that other is about 5% Asian. Of the 60% black, it's about 20% black African, 20% black British, and 20% black Caribbean. We are are very diverse, with many different uh, nationalities coming to kings. Of course, our experience of this is very different depending on the site or the meeting we attend. In fact, if you were in the 11.30 meeting on the Catford site, you would think that we could be 90% black and 10% white. And so it's, it's good to know that we are very diverse if we look at ourselves as a whole, as one family. And lastly, why are we doing this series? Well, to be honest with you, it's really difficult to do. It's really difficult to build uh, a multicultural, multi-ethnic church. It's challenging. Uh, it's beautiful. It honors God. It's a powerful expression of what the gospel has done. But it's really tricky. I find it demanding to lead a church which is so uh, diverse. Why is that? Well... I think as Christians, and rightly so, we have high expectations of unity, of fairness, of relational harmony. These are good values, things that we should, uh, in a sense, appropriately fight for. Um, But therefore, we come in with a high bar. It's very different, let's say, to our workplace, where we might uh, equally emphasize the importance of representation, That's a really good thing. We would want that in the workplace. We would want it in the church here. Uh, But at work, you you have work colleagues. 
You might be friendly. Uh, you might even have one or two friends. But that's very different to when you come into like this biblical community. We're saying we're family. We're, we're saying we're brothers and sisters. And, and so the expectations on our uh, harmony and relational connection are high. But at the same time, we're working all the time in a cross-cultural situation. Uh, I have made so many mistakes when it comes to leading a cross-cultural church. It's a bit embarrassing, uh, and uh, I guess I'll learn a lot through this series again. Let me just give you one example. Guambo uh, was a Chinese student that was befriended by Ian and Angela Moore, who are in the church here. Uh, She'd come from China to study in London, had never heard of God. Through their witness, she became a Christian. I remember her baptism where she declared Jesus as Lord. She said, I'd read the New Testament three times through. I mean, you could see that God had really captured this young woman's heart. I mean, ultimately, she went back to Beijing and planted a church which 400 people attend. She led most of them to Christ. Quite a remarkable woman. I've met a recently remarkable businesswoman and Christian now. Uh, But once she got saved, we saw the call of God on her life, and we invited her to do like a three, I think, six-month internship with us. Annie Twart did a lot of discipleship with her. It's fantastic to see. And I thought it would be great for Deb and I to invite her around our house for afternoon tea. I mean, it's a very British thing to do. Come round the pastor's house for afternoon tea. So we made the invite, uh, and we got the feedback. She said, no, she didn't want to come. And we were a bit surprised, but we thought, okay, we've made the invite. And that was it. We moved on, only to find out six months later that she was hurt, in fact annoyed, that we hadn't invited her around our house. And when I heard this, you have to understand, I went, but we did. Uh, But we hadn't understood the culture. We needed to ask at least twice. Because in an, in an honor-shame culture, for, for us to invite someone around to sort of, oh no, I wouldn't want to do that, is the appropriate cultural response. But I didn't know that. And so my heart was good, but the cross-cultural dynamics going on that I didn't understand meant that someone that I really deeply cared for was hurt. Uh, and of course, we, when we found that out, we invited Grandpa around and she came around and it's all good. But it's just an example of some of the challenges we face. And Kings has been on a massive journey over the last 20 years. And I'm still on a massive learning curve myself. And can I ask us, let's go in with an attitude of learning and listening. Let's listen. Let's not prejudge. Let us engage. Let's be quick to listen and slow to speak, as James says. And we've been on a massive journey. When we first came here... Uh, we led a white majority church. It was about 85% white and about 15% black. That was uh, how it was in those days, only a couple hundred of us as well. Now it is black majority. Uh, when in the, uh, around 2000, 2001, a number of black Africans started to just have a look in at Kings, I remember saying to the church, to the white community, we must reach out of our own people group We must invite and engage with people of different culture. Let's welcome people from Africa or wherever. Now I want to say to us, if you're in the majority, if you're in the black community, particularly on the Catford site, we need you to step out of your people group. 
In fact, if you see someone that's not like you, we want you to invite them into community. Uh, I hope you don't mind me saying that, but I think that's where we are. It's challenging because different cultures have different values and practices in the area of timing, hierarchy, feedback, how decisions are made, how seasons of life are celebrated, the important life moments. There are dangers of uh, getting stereotypes of people. I I would encourage us not to do that. Let's just listen and uh, engage and uh, respect one another. And then there are, of course, uh, big issues of identity. Gina Yash here, the British Nigerian comedian, said, I went back to Nigeria to find my roots. I went back to find my African roots. And I discovered my roots are in Bethnal Green. I discovered my roots are in Bethnal Green. Or a Nigerian friend of Deb and I said, when I'm in Nigeria, I'm too British. And when I'm in England, I'm too Nigerian. Real challenges of identity. And of course then there's just the issue of uh, communication. How we communicate simply. I, I uh, ran into uh, uh, a fascinating uh, little a book called The Cultural Map recently. And in it it says, this is what the British say and this is what they mean. So the British might say this. I was a bit disappointed that... What does that mean? It means, I'm very upset and angry with that. But if you don't know that that's us trying to just soften it, uh, you might think we're just a little bit disappointed. We're not. We're really annoyed. Or how about this one? With all due respect. Have you ever heard a white person say that? white British person? It basically means, I think you're wrong. I found myself doing this in the New Frontiers board meeting I was in just in Christmas, at Christmas when I disagreed with one of the other trustees who suggested something. And I said, with all due respect. And I thought, I'm trying to be nice, but really I'm saying, I think you're wrong. Or what about this one? I do this one all the time. Perhaps you would think about, I would suggest. The times I've said that to my team, I would suggest. Which in British speak means this. This is an order. Do it or be prepared to justify yourself. But if you don't know that, then um, there will just be a simple breakdown of communication. And so you can see it's, it's really challenging. So let's, let, let, there are just a few comments up front. Uh, I hope that serves us, but let's go in. Uh, and if we can, let's just keep it. I mean, we're going to touch some deep stuff, but I think if we can keep it light as well, a little bit of humor, laugh at yourself, laugh at your own culture, it will uh, help us. Um, The book of Acts starts with a promise. It's the promise of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 and verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit comes. uh, It comes with power that you would and I would be witnesses to the very end of the earth. God has always been about reaching people from different uh, nations and all, uh, all around the world. And it's really important, I think, another thing just to say up front, the vision here is not diversity. Uh, the vision here is to present Jesus, 
to share Jesus with people, to fulfill the Great Commission, and in view of gospel breakthrough, then uh, build community, genuine friendship, cross-cultural friendships. Uh, And that's what I think you see through the book of Acts. You see the Holy Spirit coming, you see gospel proclamation, you see people being saved and baptized, and then that added to the community. I I, I mean, what, what we're not going for here is, it doesn't really matter if you're not saved, we just want to add you to the community. No, we are a Christian-focused, proclaiming, gospel church. And we want to see lots of people saved. And as they are saved, then we say, look, don't be isolated. Come and step in. You're invited to join a people, to follow Jesus, know Jesus, but to join a people. Um, The book of Acts covers the first 30 years of the church. Uh, but actually the first sort of 10 or so chapters only cover one or two years. And that's where in Acts 8 we see the beginning, and this is why it's such an important transition uh, moment in uh, the New Testament of the gospel breaking out of just being a Jewish sect, just being for Jews. Uh, and this is the account of Philip and the Ethiopian. Let me remind you of just a couple of verses. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. I just want to, uh, in the last few moments I have, just give you five kind of additional pastoral comments from the scripture we have for today. They're going to be these. Give an invitation. Sit down together, share Jesus, share your story, grow spiritually. Give an invitation. Sit down together, share Jesus, share your story, and grow spiritually. So firstly, give an invitation. What we have here is a a brilliant example of cross-cultural mission. Uh, You've probably got at least... uh, uh, class difference here. So if you can picture, this is a high up official. He's got his chariot probably. And there are kind of, I, I, I visualize there are other people around. Uh, and it's a bit of a procession. And then you've got Philip, the evangelist. This is not Philip, the apostle. This is Philip that we see first appearing in Acts uh, 6. Uh, so it's definitely the gospel going across class and race. And it says, Philip ran up to the chariot. And when he comes alongside the chariot, the official invites Philip to come in and sit down with him. Um, As we get into this series, we want to encourage you to invite people to uh, connect beyond your normal uh, friendship group or people group. And for a relationship to work, it needs to be two-way. Uh, uh, here Philip makes the running and the official makes the invite. Uh, and to do that, sometimes it takes courage it, to sort of step out of your comfort zone and uh, uh, say to someone, will you come and can we get some time together? We realize that and so we're going to encourage you to be bold and go for that. In fact, I want to make an invitation to all of you that you make every effort to be here every Sunday I mean, I would say that every week, but this series is so foundational for us. It will lay 
teaching and values in us that will carry us for years if we get it right. So please, can I make an invite for you to be here every week? Make a special effort. And we want to encourage each of you to step out of your comfort zone. Make an invitation. Now, as I say that, you can say no to an invitation. I think that's really important. If there's some guy here, uh, single ladies, if there's some guy here and he keeps inviting you out, uh, you can say no. In fact, I think it's probably the type of series where this would be good to do in groups, uh, over a meal table or in your small group. Uh, just uh, find context where you can share lives together. Secondly, it's an invitation to sit down. It's interesting, isn't it, that the, the official says, look, could you come and sit? Come and sit in the chariot. There's something about sitting down with someone. The queen is renowned for having stand-up meetings. If you have a stand-up meeting, you are basically putting uh, a limited time on the interaction. It's a bit like talking at the end of a, a Sunday morning. You have a cup of tea, you're probably going to speak with the same person for maybe five minutes. If you're going to get into something deeper, you sit down. Um, and there's appropriate social interaction to have a cup of tea and chat for two or three minutes and then move on. It's a bit like that, you know, you go to a big party and there are lots of people there and you know there's going to be a lot of chat like that. Uh, but if you really want to get deeper with someone, you sit down. So Deb and I have learned that, I know this might surprise some of you, but if we're working something through in our marriage and we might be talking about it in the kitchen, we might decide, actually, we need to sit down. We found the place to do that is maybe have a coffee, go out and have a coffee somewhere. We just seem to behave better when we're outside. Uh, and, uh, uh, but if you ever see us sitting in a coffee bar, it, it's not that we're having, always having a heavy, okay? Just so you know. Uh, but um, it's, if you want to talk about something seriously, you sit down. It's when you sit down that you really open up and you have time to share lives. And we want to encourage you to sit down. We want you to get in a chariot. We want you to get into a group. If you've not signed up for a group, it's not too late. Get in a group. If, if you've never gone to a group, take courage. Connect. It, 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 honestly, it's going to be electric in groups. I've seen some of the material we've produced. Sit down. Sit down. Uh, we want to encourage you to have uh, meals together. Uh, invite someone around for a meal. See if you can just do it once over the series. Get people that are different to you from different people groups and invite them in. And look, it might be a little uncomfortable because you're not sure of the cultural norms, but let's be big-hearted to one another. Let's step out, let's invite, and let's eat together. Let's sit down. Thirdly, share Jesus. Share Jesus. This is what happens here. Uh, Philip explains to the official that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the fulfillment of Old Testament promise uh, and prophetic promise. Of course, the, the New Testament church didn't have the New Testament scriptures. They, they drew the whole story from the Old Testament. And here, a famous uh, passage in Isaiah 53. Um, it's one of the things I just love about God's people, that we all have unique 
uh, journeys, threads and stories and narrative, but it's in Christ we find common ground. It's like each thread comes together to paint this beautiful tapestry of God's uh, people. And when you get with someone and you share your Jesus story, it is, it is, it is amazing. I love listening to testimony. That's why I love baptisms at King's, because it authenticates all that we're doing together. People are getting saved, and they're testifying to Jesus, crucified and risen. And it echoes in our own story. And so as you get together and you share Jesus with one another, it will be deeply edifying, and you will find common ground. This is what Philip and the Ethiopian did. And they did it from one of the most famous passages in the Old Testament. Let me read it to you. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot. And like a root out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We, all like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the sin of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was punished. Jesus, this is the passage. What a passage for Philip and the Ethiopian official to discuss. And even as you hear it, your heart is lifted. For you know it to be true that Jesus is the Messiah, the Saviour of the world. So share Jesus together. That's common ground. Fourthly, share your story. Share your diversity story. Tell your life story. Share your experience of whether it's racism or you just, it's just kind of all new to you. Just be yourself. There's not a right or wrong. Share your story. Um, as a part of the series, we've produced a brilliant resource. Uh, uh, just the team that put this together, thank you ever so much for serving us. It's like... Uh, daily Bible notes through the book of Acts that we can run in parallel with all we're doing on Sundays and in groups. And when I was given a copy just a couple of weeks back, I found myself quickly going to the stories. There's a number of testimonies, stories here. And I read one and it so inspired me, I flipped through. Uh, I have to confess, I jumped the, the daily Bible notes and found the next story. Stories are powerful. 
uh, just like the testimony story of Jonathan earlier, wasn't that deeply moving? Uh, when you touch real people's lives, it brings barriers down. It raises your self-awareness. Your empathy reaches out to people that are, are different. And you understand their narrative. And there's something of a joining of hearts. And so whether in your group or around a meal table, I want to encourage you, share Jesus and share your story, your life experience, particularly in the area of diversity. And then lastly today, grow spiritually. This is what happens here. They share Jesus together, and the Ethiopian says, well, look, I must be baptized. That so resonated with me. You've heard this, me say this many times, but when I became a Christian, I walked across the room to my pastor. I didn't say I'd become a Christian. I said, I want to be baptized. Part of baptism it identifies we've been baptized into the people of God. And it's the first step of obedience. It's a spiritual growth moment. And I'm praying for us as a church, as we go through this series, that we will go deeper. It will build maturity and awareness into us that uh, we will grow spiritually together. I'm really in faith for that. I want to encourage us to uh, really, all of us, to step in. Uh, Whether you've been here for decades or whether you've just come in the last few weeks, this is quite a moment for us as a people And I want to encourage us to embrace all the resources, all the opportunities. uh, And uh, I believe, I'm trusting in God, that we'll grow spiritually through it. So, make an invitation. Sit down together. Share Jesus. Share your story. And grow spiritually. And let's uh, trust God that he will honor us as we invite one another into each other's worlds.